Lawmakers have a full plate of issues to deal with, including spending bills in the next month. But what are the odds any progress will be made? We'll try to get some clarity on that. And it is Wednesday. That means we are focused on what's on your mind with this week's Farmer Forum. Live from the last gasp of January via Farm Journal broadcast, this is Agritalk. This morning we begin with a conversation with Iowa Senator Joni Ernst. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Scott McGregor and Gary Niemeyer. Directly following the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm the handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of Agritalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis. Yeah, last day of January. It's 33 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's it's overcast out there. It's not is like it? we're just melting things away. But sure. Boy, I tell you, we've lost a lot of the snow cover already, and we're going to lose more yet this week and next week and maybe even the week after that, dude. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, here's here's something fun that I discovered. Uh, the winter okay. solstice occurs on December 21st, right? The yes. shortest yes. day of the year. Uh, from November 16th to January 22nd. Okay. Those are the 10 darkest weeks of the year as far as uh, amount of daylight goes. Yeah. We've made it through the <laughs> darkest hours so That's far. That's right. We're here clear at the 31st. I mean, dude, it's we're fantastic. sitting pretty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was out at the grill the other night. <laughs> yeah. You know what the See? heck? Why why shouldn't we be? Why would you not? And yeah. kind of looking around, like you know, we've still got some gray light mm-hmm. that I was dealing with in the evening hours. So you? Uh, it's happening. Days are getting longer. I can feel it, dude. I can mm-hmm. feel it. Mm-hmm. I can too. I can yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Agri Talk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us on this Wednesday morning. We've got a heck of a farmer forum coming your way. But first, we're going to have a conversation with U.S. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa and try to try to get a feel for the the likelihood that progress on the issues that we need to see progress on will actually happen between now and and March 1. We've got a month. We got a month to get some of these spending bills done, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it will be interesting. All right, buddy, let's get to the news. What do you got? You bet. Well, the National Weather Service weather outlook calls for heavy snow over parts of the Sierra Nevada mountains, moderate snow over upstate New York and northern New England, light snow over higher elevations of the west. There is a slight risk of excessive rainfall over parts of northern and central California on Wednesday and southern California on Thursday. Temperatures will be 15 to 30 degrees above average from the plains to the upper middle Mississippi Valley. Chip, That's a whole, what, a whole lot better. Yeah. yeah, a whole lot better than 15 to 30 degrees below average like we Oof. were in the middle of January. Yep. So here we are. We've got the January thaw is clearly underway. We'll see what we can, uh, just how much uh, snow we can get rid of between now and, and uh, the first part of March. Well, the U.S. dollar index was slightly higher with weakness in the euro and British pound against the U.S. currency. The yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury note was lower with a mostly lower tone in global government bond yields. Crude oil futures softened ahead of U.S. government inventory data due out later this morning. Chip Growth Energy released data showing American drivers recently surpassed the massive milestone of 100 billion miles driven on affordable, homegrown, delicious E15 fuel. (laughs) <laughs> the, e, the the 15% biofuel blend saves drivers an average of 15 cents per gallon at the pump in some states. Amid higher fuel costs last summer, drivers saw E15 savings climb as high as 60 yeah. cents per gallon, baby. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that we will talk with Senator Ernst about is the odds of getting E15 available year-round across the country. We'll tip in the weekend of Jan 26. Mortgage applications in the United States declined by 7.2%. This following, uh, according to data from the Mortgage Bankers Association, applications for purchasing a home dropped by 11.4%, while those refinancing a home loan increased slightly. Hmm. Meanwhile, the average 30-year fixed-rate mortgage held steady at 6.78%. The House of Representatives is set to vote today on a $78 billion bipartisan tax package with House Speaker Mike Johnson leading the effort Despite facing opposition from some centrist Republicans, right. Chip, this is all I can bear to say. Well, yeah, and, and I I think, 
based on the conversation that we had yesterday with Paul Neifer, Farm CPA, mm-hmm. I I think this tax tax package is going to get through. And there are some good things in it. We just need to get to the details of it once the package is passed. Well, Chip, a group of lawmakers have expressed concerns about rising transportation costs due to Houthi attacks on commercial shipping in the Red Sea. Those lawmakers have called for swift action to address these issues and have written a letter to several Biden administration officials emphasizing the need to prevent disruptions to the nation's (laughs) supply chain. Wouldn't have swift action been like eight weeks ago? I think so. Yeah, swift. uh, uh, Right. House Homeland Security Committee approved (laughs) articles of impeachment against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The vote came shortly after 1 a.m. Eastern Time Wednesday, and the articles will now be considered by the full House of Representatives at a later date. Chip, does this go back to the border kerfuffle? Oh, absolutely. It's all about what's happening at the border. So we've got uh, a a great guest on this morning in in Senator Ernst to get to the bottom line on that. Well, Chip, the World Gold Council reports uh, global central banks snatched up gold in 2023 and will continue to do so in 2024. China's central bank was the really? biggest buyer, and from surprise, the irony, surprise. yeah, from the irony page, the Biden administration poised to lend 1.5 billion to restart a shuttered Michigan nuclear power plant. Chip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here we go, here we go. All right, thank you, Davis. Let's bring in Margie Echelkamp, editor of the Scoop. Good morning, Margie. Good Take morning, that. Chip. There you are. There you are. All right, it's the last day of January. And there are a lot of growers that are thinking about the first day of planting and they're spending time in the shop, making sure they'll get the most out of that planter pass. What are the trends going into this spring? Yeah, this has really been an emerging trend that we've seen in covering ag retail over at the scoop. And that is the opportunities with the planter pass. So how can we layer on additional products often in a very prescriptive way to get those corn and soybean crops off to the strongest start. And specifically, I wanted to highlight kind of a a subcategory. I don't think it's a niche anymore, Chip, because when I looked at aggregating the products available, there's nearly two dozen of these that kind of fit key parameters. And that is dry formulations that can be used in corn or soybeans. And specifically they're two for one products. So they're replacing that traditional talc or graphite blend Maybe they are a talc or graphite blend. Maybe they're another seed fluency agent, but then they're layering on an additional opportunity. So whether that be a microbial, a biological, or some crop nutrition. So really these two-for-one products. Now, retailers are seeing this as a great opportunity because they haven't necessarily always widespread sold seed fluency agents. So it's another way for them to serve their growers. And for growers, it's really not asking them to do much different because they're already adding that seed fluency agent to improve their singulation and overall mechanical operation of their planter yeah yeah it's uh it may be the most important pass that you make all year you might as well get the most out of it there's there's no question about that margie we'll see you next week down in kansas city at top producer summit yep registration is still open how do you get there tpsummit.com tpsummit.com that is margie echelkamp editor of the scoop and of top producer we've got senator ernst up next here on agritalk when we told growers that bear premium trifold herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks they were a bit skeptical um we'll see how it works so we decided to prove it we set up cameras in multiple cornfields treated them with trifold and filmed for 24 hours a day for eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and TriVolt worked. See for yourself at TriVoltInAction.com. TriVolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Lower crop prices and extreme weather can take a toll on your profits and peace of mind. Crop insurance is a powerful tool to not only protect your financial security, but give you confidence to market grain, invest in your operation, and provide for what matters most, your family. At Farmers Mutual Hail, we understand that, so we've created products that allow you to customize plans for up to 95% coverage. It's time to rethink your crop insurance and choose FMH, America's crop insurance company, to protect your livelihood. Visit connect.fmh.com today. 
Get a strong start to your sorghum season with Double Team Sorghum. The Double Team Sorghum cropping solution provides superior post-emergent grass control, giving you clean sorghum fields, reliable yields, and improved profitability. Double Team is powered by the proprietary DT trait and uniquely formulated First Act herbicide for a completely integrated and flexible solution for grass control in sorghum. Visit DoubleTeamSorghum.com to learn how to get cleaner fields and bigger yields. This is Andrew McRae, host of the American Countryside. I'm also a farmer and rancher from Northwest Missouri, and I hope you'll join me each week for Farming the Countryside as we take a look at the top issues impacting agriculture as told by the people farming and working in our industry. We'll talk about markets and trade, share some of the latest tips and trends from grain and livestock producers, and take a look at trends impacting rural America. Join me for Farming the Countryside on many local radio stations or on your favorite podcast platform, or just go to farmingthecountryside.com. Retirement can be scary, but only if you're not prepared. That's why AARP created thisispretirement.org. Because unless you've already retired, you're in pretirement and you still have time to plan. Learn about retirement savings options, potential tax breaks, and how you can build savings over time. Visit thisispretirement.org for free resources to help you customize your action plan and feel the retirement fear disappear. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ag Day host Clinton Griffiths, and I invite you to join me each morning as we cover the nation's food system, from fields of green to orchards of orange and livestock everywhere in between. America runs on agriculture, and here at Ag Day, agriculture is what we do best. Listen as our analysts track the markets, learn about innovations in technology and sustainability, and live the country lifestyle through the eyes of rural America. Join me, Clinton Griffiths, for Ag Day, the country experience. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuck Wagon Cafe number one. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Glad you're with us. U.S. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa joins us right now. Senator Ernst, I know you're tight on time this morning. So welcome. Welcome to AgriTalk. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, Chip. Thanks so much. Excellent. Uh, we need to start with with what happened over the weekend, the attack on U.S. forces in Jordan. Three U.S. military members were killed. Dozens more were injured. Uh, how? How does this happen? Yeah, this is horrible, and my heart goes out to those families. And and the unit that was attacked is actually it's an engineer unit out of Georgia, reserve unit. And this is a company that I actually served in in the mid '90s. I was a platoon leader with that company, and and so those poor service members and their families were subjected to. Iranian proxy uh, terrorist attacks, and we've seen over 160 attacks on our personnel and our U.S. bases since uh, earlier in October, and this has got to stop, and it's happening because President Biden is very weak on the world stage, and he has a strategy of appeasement towards Iran. And if that doesn't change, we will continue to see attacks on our service members. Okay, so this policy of appeasement, I believe that you are correct on that. But 160 attacks on U.S. forces in a short period of time, what is this going to do to the level of U.S. involvement in that conflict in the Middle East? Well, I know that President Biden, he always states that he wants to um, move away from escalation, but... Iran and their proxies, they are the ones that are escalating this. And we need to be able to defend our own troops on our bases. And this means striking back when Iran and its proxies come after us. We need to go back after them. It's defense. It's not declaring war on them, but it is defense. And so I say we need to be enforcing the sanctions that would cut off the money supply that would fund these terrorist attacks, as well as the the terrorist organizations. And as we go and make those strikes, let's not hit empty warehouses. Let's actually strike those that are planning the attacks. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, concerning is the, the comments that we're hearing from the Iranian leadership uh, that they're not afraid at this point, and, and they're not afraid of the retaliation, and um, that makes me feel that we're going to get pulled deeper and deeper into this conflict, and that's not where, that's not a direction that we want to be going, is it? It is not. It is not. And having served in the Middle East, I would rather we don't engage in those types of activities. And that means having a strong deterrence. Um, I do believe in peace through strength, but that's exactly why Iran is hitting us is because we do not have a strong leader in the White House, not someone that has chosen to deter these attacks coming from Iran and the proxies. Okay. Let's let's bring it back to some domestic issues here. Uh, there's more farm policy pundits out there that do not see a pathway to a new farm bill ahead in the uh, ahead of the 2024 elections. They think it's going to be a 2025 farm bill. Can a new bill get done before this fall's elections? I think it is going to be very, very difficult. Everyone's staking out their territory, and uh, and that's concerning because our producers in Iowa, all of our farmers, they deserve a five-year farm bill that's working for them. But that, the problem is that we need more farm in this farm bill. Yeah. There's a projected cost of $1.5 trillion for this new farm bill, And Chip, that's not additional money that's going into farm programs. That's additional money that is going into these ever ballooning food programs. Um, So what I would like to see and what I'm fighting for in the, the farm bill is to protect our food supply, support Iowa's rural prosperity. And that means, you know, including those small farms and young farmers and then conserving our hard earned dollars and our incredibly bountiful land. Um, so I'm working on a number of efforts, uh, but I do get concerned that we're not going to see a new farm bill. Senate Ag Committee Chairwoman Stabenow has proposed to make a, a choice between subsidized crop insurance or the safety net provisions in the farm program, uh, the ARC, that the doesn't PLC. Fly. It doesn't? Does not fly. It doesn't okay. fly. And she's she's making, uh, she's trying to force our farmers to make this choice. Um, so when you see fluctuating prices, you know, we have the programs that address that. But if we have crop disasters, we have crop insurance, which addresses that. But what she is saying is you choose one or the other, you don't get both. And that will not work for those that are engaging in uh, in crops like corn or soybeans. You know, maybe it works for other types of crops, but it doesn't work for our farmers in Iowa. So we do have real concerns about that. Okay. Yeah, it, I'm sure that it will be discussed, but the odds of passage and and uh, real consideration of this seems pretty low at this point. Uh, something that we hope does fly is the Farm to Fly Act which would support the development of uh, sustainable aviation fuel. Uh, tell us about your support for that. Oh, man, I, I am really excited about this, actually. Uh, this is a great bipartisan effort. And what it does is expanding opportunities for investment in sustainable aviation fuels. This would be done at the USDA and that would diversify and, and bring uh, American energy production back into the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Farm to Fly Act is what we call it, and it really drives those private sector partnerships through USDA. Um, It would boost our economy. We know that. We need other ways of of using our corn ethanol. Um, But um, what I like to see as well is that it's ensuring America's domestic energy production. And this will be done by by using the U.S. GREET model rather than other models that are promoted by, you know, China, Russia and others. Yeah. And and talking about supporting domestic produced energy and 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 renewable energy, what are the what are the odds that we can see some some progress on year round availability of E15 nationwide? 
<laughs> this is something we have been pushing for years yeah. now, yeah. Chip. Um, so I keep hoping one of these days President Biden's going to wake up and make it happen. Um, we have legislation to do it. Uh, that's not moving right now. We continue to promote it. Um, but we wish the president would engage more on this issue. Homegrown fuel makes us less reliant upon our foreign adversaries. If we can grow it here, we should be burning it here. Excellent. Can we avoid another continuing resolution? Can we get the appropriations done by March 1 and March 8? Oh, we have been debating this, and uh, we just had a discussion about this here in our Senate Republican conference the other day. So we have had all 12 appropriations bills out of the Appropriations Committee here in the Senate for over six months, over six months, Chip, and yet uh, the Democratic leader, Chuck Schumer, has not brought those bills up on the floor of the Senate. Now, the only reason I believe he is not doing that is because he would prefer to have an omnibus bill here at the end of the year where he can just slap everything that he and the Democrats want into it, um, which leads to outrageous spending, no real oversight. Um, we would prefer to see those individual bills come forward and debate those. But I don't think that's what Chuck Schumer wants. So if if we wish to to avoid the continuing resolution, he'll probably bring up an omnibus yeah. bill right. um, or do another continuing resolution. Yeah. OK. Very quickly. Uh, President Biden says he can shut down the border with the laws that are already on the books. If that's the case, why hasn't he done so? Oh, that's a question for President Biden. Isn't it funny how now all of a sudden that he's approaching a reelect that, whoa, the border's out of control. And he says that he can shut it down. Um, if that's true, well, then he needs to do it and yeah. he should do it today. Uh, but uh, there are some laws that do need to be changed. Uh, one of those would be the asylum law for the United States. We know that the cartels are using this to get as many people into the United States as possible. We need to make changes to the asylum laws here in the United States. So we've Absolutely. got a lot of efforts ongoing. Absolutely. We need to do that. We are out of time. You've been very generous with your time. I will just mention to people, please look up Sarah's law as well and uh, take a look at how important that piece of legislation yeah. that is supported by Senator Ernst is. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks, Chip. You bet. U.S. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa, Farmer Forum, next. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. Health insurance has never been so easy and affordable. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-801-2730. That's 800-801-2730. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Down Monday, up Tuesday, down Wednesday, Beach. What? Uh, it's a choppy son of a gun. Absolutely, Chip. You know, yesterday uh, gave us some encouragement, uh, pretty strong corrective gains, but boy, it just didn't last. And, and here we are. Uh, you know, so I thought maybe yesterday was end of the month stuff, but uh, today's the last trading day of the month, and we saw no follow through, and, and actually trading pretty solidly to the downside, especially in the uh, the soybean market here and, and wheat market as well. But uh, uh, you know, fresh news is lacking. The funds just don't have any conviction to buy, and and uh, uh, that leads to this broad-based sell-off here that we're seeing this morning. Fresh news is lacking, boy. I think that's kind of an understatement right now. Brian, there's just 
there is not much happening, is there? Yeah, no, it, it's really stale, and, and the news that's yeah. out there is pretty much known, and, and so uh, I think we're waiting. The markets are just waiting. Maybe with the flip of the calendar tomorrow, uh, February, uh, you know, it has a tendency to be a kind of a positive month, especially for corn and soybeans, and, and so we'll see if that sparks anything. Uh, crop insurance discovery period starts tomorrow. Um, you know, so there, there's some possibilities out there, but uh, boy, the funds are, are comfortably short at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, not much movement in the livestock trade either. No, so we have the cattle inventory report coming up this afternoon, and uh, that is expected to show the uh, the overall uh, cattle herd down 1.8% or so from, from year ago. So we'll see if that uh, pans out or not, uh, but expecting some bullish numbers there, uh, which would project a, you know smaller beef numbers as we move through this year and into 2025. And, and so we'll see what those numbers uh, show us this afternoon. On the hog side of things, the cash market continues to rise and futures are a little bit firmer. Thank you, Brian. Pro Farmer Editor, Brian Grady on Markets Now. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, y'all, I'm Kelly Clarkson. Every American dreams of creating a better life for his or her family. But in some communities, those dreams face difficult challenges. When we come together to help those in need get the same opportunities as everyone else, we truly are making our country a better place to live for all of us. So look for volunteer opportunities in your community to help others achieve the American dream, all right? This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. Great conversation that we just had with U.S. Senator Joni Ernst from Iowa covered a lot of ground in a short period of time there. Uh, we're going to get some reaction to some things that Senator Ernst said in today's Farmer Forum. First up, Scott McGregor from Iowa. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Real good, Chip. Thanks for having me on. Yep, glad you're here. Uh, by way of Orlando and CattleCon, right? You bet. Down here for the week, uh cattle con convention producers from all around the united states getting together share common ideas and reach a good consensus on a lot of issues right right i want to get to some of that here in just a moment but first let's uh, bring in gary niemeyer from illinois past president of the national corn growers association how you doing gary i'm doing fine chip great to be on with you again glad that you are here yeah Gary, you had to like the idea of what uh, Senator Ernst talked about when it comes to year-round availability of E15. It, it, th- we've got Absolutely. the legislation. We've been, we've been wanting to do this for years. Yep. Yep, no doubt about it. And it's something that we need to stay focused on and continue to encourage lawmakers to take a look at, at getting that done. Scott, uh, it's, a, it's a big policy event uh cattle con the national cattlemen's beef association convention uh it's it's not like um you know whatever ncba says goes on some of these policy decisions but the issues that they decide to support will have an impact on on some lawmakers actions going forward what's the chatter what's the priorities down there there's a lot of chatter, and you hit that right. And first of all, I must preface my position down here. I'm down here on a checkoff, but I will take my hat off because I can do that and yep. talk about some policy things, and that's yep. fine. Um, none of the decisions are made by NCBA staff. None of the decisions are made by the big feedlots, and none of the decisions are made by the packers. This is grassroots. There's thousands of producers down here that meet in this meeting room to make the decision. 
Yeah. And they give, then they make the decisions and give it to the staff. So it's producer driven a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's what, that, that makes it a very unique gathering. And, and Scott, I, what you just explained and how you explained it, I don't think is very well understood in, in no, no. areas across the country. Right. Right. And it's, you know, they're in the back room right now, producers talking to producers, kind of wordsmithing drafts to come in front of the Cattle Health and Wellbeing Committee, which is going to talk about traceability, if that's going to be the hot button. Yep. Traceability, how how that's going to be handled, how they're going to stand. Is it going to be mandatory? Is it going to be voluntary? Who's going to, who's going to orchestrate it? What's the government going to do? Is it going to be thrown into these cow-calf guys and they're going to bear all the costs and ass ache to get it, to make it happen. You know, these are things that everybody wants to know. Right. Right. Yeah. What you're talking about there is the electronic ID tags. They're the RFID tags. And right. And you you talk to packers and the packer wonders, well, what if I get a load of 38 pack cattle come in and there's eight cattle without tags, you know, then what do I do? You know, right. so it's it's all things like that that right. you have to worry about, and who's going to bear the cost? Yeah, and, and but yeah, the 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 angle that I'm hearing now too, Scott, is what about the sale barn guy that has sixty head of fat cattle, or you know, who knows? Maybe he runs two thousand head of fat cattle through his sale barn in a in in a week's time. What happens to the cattle that come in that don't have a an a an RFID? tag in their ear does he have to pay for that the sale barn operator there's all kinds of uncertainty over this right right and there's so many unknowns and you know how chip how many years have we been talking about this yeah and it's it's i don't want to say it's 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 what's separating the industry but the one thing you don't want is to fda come out with a rule and say this is what it is this is mandatory. That's why the producers have to get in front of this and make the decisions and come to a consensus on how this can happen. You know, nobody wants mandatory anything. But right. if we have a foreign animal disease, we don't need that. And that's what this is, traceability for foreign animal for an animal disease outbreak. The turkey growers have gone through it. Yep. You know, we all know what they've been through with avian influenza. You know, we don't need anything like this to hit the beef industry and not be able to stop it. Look what the vegetable growers are doing. I mean, they have they have blockchain traceability back to their products. So we need to figure out something in the beef industry. Is that facial recognition? Is it an EID tag? What is it? You know? Right. 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 It's a big issue, Scott. No question about it. I'm I'm looking forward to hearing more about the discussion that takes place down there and and how things it'll be wrap thursday up on this. the discussion will the discussion will be thursday and they'll you know by thursday night they'll have made a decision on how to go forward right gotcha gotcha okay all right um Niemeyer, let's talk a little bit more about uh uh the e15 and uh making it available year-round when you look at the kind at the impacts that it is having, or maybe it's best to say not having on the grain markets right now, this is a very important topic that sometimes it feels like it just doesn't get as enough uh, as much attention as it deserves. Absolutely, Chip. And first of all, I want to say I really I've never met Scott before, but I I see another grassroots individual, and I really enjoyed his comments. Yeah. Um, E15 has been around for a long time. We've gone through NASCAR to prove how safe it is and how effective it is. Uh, it's a domestic uh, product, just like Senator Ernst said. We need to get this done, and it's very simplistic. It's not that we have to cr- recreate anything. It's just put it, make it available. And as far as uh, going into sustainable aviation yeah. uh, fuel, uh, I guess we have a process that is about to run out in time, but I understand it is 
a part of, as uh, Senator Ernst said, a part of the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. Can the corn industry handle both, Gary? Can it support E15 availability across the country and sustainable aviation fuel, the ethanol to jet? You know, Chip, I'm going to go back to 2005. We passed the RFS, and at that time we had about an $8 billion, $8.5 billion corn crop. And we said, 2015, we're going to have 15 billion bushel of corn. That's more than double. And also uh, have 15 billion gallon of ethanol. You know what? We accomplished that goal. And you give a farmer an opportunity to do something, get out of the way. We're going to do it. (laughs) I love it. You're exactly right on that. And Scott, you look at how the, the ethanol industry has been a competitor for corn, but also a partner uh, on the feed side of things. It's a very unique uh, relationship with the cattle guys, isn't it? It is. They're a great partner. The The corn industry, all the, all the biofuel industries are a great partner for the, for the beef industry. I mean, every week, one or every five days, a load rolls into our bunker and we unload it. So, yeah. and it's been a great deal been a great yeah. deal to to have the supply the basis and everything for our producers whether it be a, a feedlot or a, a just a grain producer yes yeah absolutely and and it's uh it, it is that relationship that we hope that we can continue to build um the, the uh the sustainable aviation fuel gary there is some progress being made We've got a plant that is now operating and turning ethanol into jet fuel down in Georgia. But the problem is they're having to use uh, Brazilian ethanol because of the carbon intensity score. We got to do something about that, too, don't we? We have the Greek policy. It is great. It is factual. It's not manipulated by different outfits trying to change the dynamics of how this operates. All we have to do like Senator Ernst said, is get this information forward, pass it, and and move forward. And by the way, Scott, I remember when we first started the in 2005, it's like, oh, my God, what are we going to do with all these DDGs? It's great to have ethanol, but what are we going to do with them? Well, right now, DDGs, there's been a time when it's been leading the charge as well as ethanol. So it's great to work with the beef industry and all industries in the United States creating a domestic product yes amen to that i mean i remember back at that time when i was editor at pro farmer uh the uh uh, cnbc wanted me to come on and talk about the food versus fuel debate and we we were all set up we were ready to go i was i was excited about the opportunity to talk about it and in the pre-interview interview Uh, I mentioned the fact that I would probably say I'm excited about ethanol because it's such an efficient use with one third coming back to the feed. It's, it's like you get to use a bushel twice and that narrative didn't fit with what they wanted at the time guys. And I never did get on CNBC to talk about ethanol and (laughs) and how efficient it is. Imagine that Chip. Imagine that. Imagine that. Okay. We are off and rolling with the uh, Farmer Forum. Great start. We've got Scott McGregor from Iowa, Gary Niemeyer from Illinois. We've got to finish things up. And uh, let's talk a little interest rates when we come back. And land ownership. There's a lot on the list yet. We'll get it covered on the Farmer Forum here on Agritech. Mom's early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take. And when I left the oven on, we decided to gather that it was time to see a doctor and make a plan. Early detection gave us more time to seek out information and support as a family. If you or your family are noticing changes, it could be Alzheimer's. Talk about seeing a doctor together. For more information, visit alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. The Scoop Podcast is where we talk about tight supply chains, emerging agronomic challenges, technology tools delivering ROI. I'm Margie Echelkamp, editor of The Scoop and host of The Scoop Podcast. 
Join me as I interview leaders from across the ag retail sector. Farmers are working hard for every bushel and their trusted advisors are by their side. Find the Scoop podcast wherever you find podcasts so you are up to date on everything ag retail. Don't you wish your life came with a warning app? Stop. That dog does not want to be petted. (laughs) Just a little heads up before something bad happens. Move your coffee cup away from your computer. Oh, no, 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 no. So you can have more control. Stop. You're texting your boss by mistake. Uh-oh. Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome, but pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes like managing your weight, getting active, stopping smoking, and eating healthier, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. It's easy to learn your risk. Take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Warning, the cap is loose on that catch-up. Ugh. Don't wait. You have the power to change the outcome. Visit doihaveprediabetes.org today. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. There I was, driving along, when I saw the corn laying down in the field. Goosenecked again. Even though I tried everything. New traits, existing soil insecticides. Every corn grower knows the hassle of gooseneck corn. But now there's Nerisma insecticide from BASF. A better, stronger infro insecticide that controls corn rootworm and below ground pests. Stand up for your corn with Nerisma insecticide. Ask your authorized BASF retailer about Nerisma and always read and follow label directions. Chip Flory here with the latest Appetite for Pork report. Today I'm talking with Dr. David Newman with the National Pork Board. Pork Checkoff is always working to drive demand for U.S. pork for consumers here at home, David. How are you encouraging them to buy more? This is really a fish where the fish are approach of saying, who is the consumer of the future? Where do they shop? What do they buy? Examples are millennials and Gen Zs and the largest growth population, such as multicultural Hispanics. So we're reaching the consumers in the right places. That's on social media and grocery shopping ads. Perfect. What's next as you're trying to reach new consumers for U.S. pork? Well, we're focused on today, but we're also focused on tomorrow. So this is a long-term approach to position U.S. pork. Thanks again, David, for talking with us today about how the Pork Checkoff is building a bigger appetite for U.S. pork. You can find more information at porkcheckoff.org slash radio. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report. Join me each weekend as we explore the news and issues that matter the most to agriculture. We know this past year has been challenging in many ways, but as agriculture continues to adapt, we are right there with you. From markets to weather, each weekend we take a deep dive into what matters most. Join me each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition. At FBN Finance, we know there's one thing that unites all farmers, progress. It drives them to wake up early and be better than the day before. And whether it's a new land purchase or refinancing your ranch, FBN Finance has the agricultural expertise to help you reach your goals. Simply put, FBN Finance puts farmers first. With great rates, instant approvals, and pre-qualifications on farmland loans, FBN Finance has everything you need to be your partner in the fields and with your finances. And now, you can get $500 off closing costs for loans over $250,000. Start your farmland loan today at fbn.com slash agritalk or call 833-FBN-LEND. That's 833-FBN-LEND. FBN Finance, more than a lender. Financing offered by FBN Finance, LLC, and its lending partners. Available where FBN Finance, LLC is licensed. Terms and conditions apply. NMLS ID 1631119. Join us in Orlando at the 2024 NCBA Cattle Convention. Don't miss U.S. Farm Report host Tyne Morgan's live taping with industry experts February 1st at noon. Be part of the live audience at the Chuckwagon Cafe Number 1. Welcome back to AgriTalk in the Farmer Forum. Scott McGregor got called away and uh, is is running off to uh, uh, participate in other e- events down there at CattleCon in Orlando. But we've still got Gary Niemeyer with us. Uh, Gary's from Illinois, past president of the National Corn Growers Association. It, 
Gary, jet to fuel. I want to go back to that. And you mentioned the importance of the GREET model, echoed what, what Senator Ernst said earlier. But the other part of this is that carbon sequestration. And we, we talked with Lee Blank, CEO of Summit Carbon Solutions, yesterday. That's a CO2 pipeline project. And I don't think that you and I have discussed the carbon sequestration option for for managing carbon intensity of the ethanol plants. What are your thoughts on this, Gary? Well, uh, first of all, let's go back. Uh, I'm in Illinois, and a lot of the pipeline that was going through Illinois was turned down because a lot of farmers are real uh, applied uh, what uh, tiling, you know, mm-hmm. pattern tiling on your field. And putting yep. a pipeline through it just destroys the pipeline, uh, uh, the whole tile thing. I've been through this with natural gas, and it takes seven or ten years to get it back in under control. Um, the, but considering the need for ethanol plants to do something with CO2 emissions, I'm also a part of the corn industry, and I understand the importance of trying to get a pipeline industry uh, to put the CO2 into the ground. But, you know, if you really want to be successful, and this is for the corn industry as a whole, they need to reward the people who originally produced the corn and sequestered the CO2. I'm going to say that again. The people who really are sequestering CO2 by paying them a royalty or sharing in the wealth of an ethanol, similar to the way the wind and solar projects pay the landowner these days as they cross their land. And, And this is me separating myself from corporations, but why should corporations benefit by paying a sin tax when they really have no skin in the game? The climate crisis should not be used as an eminent domain control factor. It is truly about the environment. Pay the people doing the practice on the ground, actually accomplishing sequestering CO2. Yeah. Boy, that's hard to argue with, Gary. And and I I know that there's been some a high level of success in in gaining right away voluntary right away uh in other words summit paying for the right away on on uh, on ground uh what what lee blank told us yesterday was 75 to 80 percent of the pathway that they need for the pipe has already been secured the right away has been secured it uh, that seems like a great majority in favor of the project, and here we are. You know, there's based on that majority, I want to see the thing proceed. But I also understand those that are saying, "Listen, not on my ground." I, it it's a it's a exactly. tough situation, isn't it? Exactly, Chip. And quite honestly, uh, let's have everybody make their own decision. If a gentleman wants to allow that to cross over and get paid for it, that's fine. I think it's fine. Now, I'm just going to tell you about my experience with uh, natural gas pipelines. Instead of getting a five-year payment for crop damages, you need 10. I, I've got I've got my maps, my tile maps. I can show you all the issues about that, and it takes a long time to recoup. Uh, I've talked to a navigator about doing these same kind of projects, and my whole point is, uh, why don't you honor the people who are really making CO2 sequestration by growing corn and taking CO2 out yep. of the atmosphere? Why don't we honor them? And this is where I kind of go along with Thank Scott you. McGregor. I, I, I love listening to that gentleman. I've never met him, but he yeah. is a grassroots individual, and this is what we need to do for the farmers who are growing the crop to make ethanol possible. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, I'm going to switch switch uh, topics on you. Interest rates. I want to go there, and I'm not going to age you on this, but I do know that you were around and farming during uh, some higher interest rates in the late '70s, '80s, and it, you know, people forget that those higher interest rates stuck around into the '90s as well. You farmed for a long time in in a high interest rate environment. What do you make of the interest rate environment that you are in right now? Well, since we're going back there, 1979, Chip, I bought quite a bit of farmland for $3,500 an acre. And I bought it through 
uh, an agency that everybody would know, and I'm not going to say their name. But anyway, my interest rates were locked in for a year and a half at 12%. But after that, they went up to 21% yep. in less than a year's time. Plus, my farmland value dropped from $3,500 an acre to $1,750. Now, that was about 1985-86 era. Mm-hmm. Well, it was almost the year 2000 before we climbed back out of that hole. And this is a one of the things that I think needs to be discussed and people need to know. They talk about inflation rates and you have to get the interest rate of uh, the interest rates over the rate of inflation right. to stop or curtail inflation. But they don't include food and or uh, energy. energy. They haven't done this since Reagan's time. I'm not picking politics. I'm, this has been on for a long time. Correct. If you get to that level, you're probably at 15% inflation rate. And this Inflation Reduction Act almost seems like a joke. Oh. You mean spending more government money and creating new new government payrolls and, and so on? You don't think that's going to fight inflation? <laughs> Are you kidding me, Kip? Uh, maybe <laughs> yes, we ought to have a come to Jesus meeting between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> love it, Gary. I love it when you're on here, man. You bring the uh, you bring the fire, you bring the thought, and and this is what guys are thinking about out there. That we uh, we need to get you back on here on more regular, buddy. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day, Kip. You bet. That is Gary Niemeyer from Illinois. All right. Thank you so much for listening uh, this morning. you got to come back this afternoon. We're going to be talking about what's going on in the livestock trade. We've got the cattle inventory report and the dairy industry. We've got Robin Schmall from agmarket.net. Tomorrow morning, U.S. Senator Roger Marshall from Kansas here on AgriTalk. Hey guys, it's me, Isabella Gomez, filling in for Smokey Bear because he's got more to say than just... Only you can prevent wildfires. Like, if you're outside enjoying a barbecue, don't let a hamburger distract you from fire safety. Make sure you aren't dumping your hot coals or ashes onto the ground because that could start a wildfire. So take wildfire prevention seriously and let's save the world one day at a time. Juntos con Smokey Bear, podemos hacerlo. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. I'm Tyne Morgan, host of U.S. Farm Report, the only weekend television show that features some of agriculture's biggest names. From custom commentary from John Phipps to the stories of antique iron with Machinery Pete to a list of more than 30 marketing analysts, our weekly program focuses on the topics that matter most to you. We invite you to join us each weekend for U.S. Farm Report, timely, trusted tradition.